We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Cooley's with me today on this Football Friday. We will get to his thoughts on the Giants game from last week and his thoughts on the Buffalo game on Sunday. Uh, predictions, smell test, lots of other shit today on the show today. we got a lot of stuff. Uh, Cooley's got a major rivalry game that he'll be coaching in tonight. We'll get to that in a moment. I want everybody to know that the show today is presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name and you'll be able to take advantage of a great sale that they've got going on right now. They're back to school sale. Buy two, get two free with no limit, no interest until 2023. So for 24 months, I've talked about Window Nation for years. I've been endorsing them, if you can believe it or not, for almost 12 years. Uh, and I've been doing it because they're great guys, great company, and nobody that's ever used them, based on my recommendation, is ever complained. Uh, They are uh, a company right now installing roughly uh, a half million windows per year. 96% of them require no follow-up service. They're the fifth largest window retailer in the United States. You can trust them. I do. 866-90-NATION. WindowNation.com. Free estimate. And you're going to save lots of money on your energy bills in the winter. Christopher, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast. Everybody's been asking all week long, And all last week, are we going to get a film breakdown? And I said, no, we're not getting a film breakdown. We've already talked about that. Although you did say, you know, occasionally you'll do, you know, a Taylor Heineke breakdown or a third down conversion breakdown. Um, But you're here uh, with us on this Football Friday. You understand why you didn't get a film breakdown this week. I do know why. And I told everybody you had a family matter um, that came up unexpectedly. And you just and, could could not put it put in the time. Our family, yeah, and it's not my kids or my wife, so it's right outside of that. So we're all good. Yeah, but I had a lot come up this week, and so no film breakdown this week. I was actually, I almost watched the film last week of Heineke, but instead watched the Carolina game last night, which was not which was not good. Uh, the Carolina's Ca- actually pretty good. Tex- the Texans are struggling. So. I I watched the game last night. I bet Carolina last night. Um, I, I I had a seven and a half opportunity to buy it to seven, and 
I don't know what you thought, but I thought Sam Darnold was really impressive. I think he's been really impressive three weeks in a row. I think he's good. I think he's. We talked about this a I bunch know. in the offseason. Like both of us would have traded for Sam Darnold. Yeah. And it was cheap. Third and a fourth, Carolina gave the Jets. Could have had him for a second. You know, the other thing about Darnold right now is he's still young. When he gets out of the pocket and runs, he can move. Oh, yeah. He can definitely move. Like, I thought he was smart with the ball. There was, a, there was a couple of throws where he hung in there, took big hits, still delivered the throw. It, Mobile in the pocket, really good with tempo. I, I think he, there's a lot to be impressed with with Sam Darnold. There, well, first of all, the story of the game last night was Christian McCaffrey getting hurt again. Sure. I, I don't know if anybody saw this if you were watching the game, but they put up a stat. Carolina jumped yeah. out to a 7 nothing lead, and then, by the way, we're driving again, and there was a terrible uh, false start penalty against them that was clearly defensive offsides. Um, and they ended up going for a fourth down and one after a long third down play, and uh, they missed it. So they were only up 7 nothing. Christian McCaffrey was killing it. Um, this team, you know, started off 2-0 and with a win over the Jets, not impressive, last week destroying the Saints, and then short work going into Houston facing a rookie quarterback because Tyrod Taylor uh, was injured, so they were facing Davis Mills. McCaffrey, when he was in the game, the Panthers were averaging nine and a half yards per play, and then for the three drives after he left the game, it was they... seven point two. It was seven point two. No, it was nine point something. It was seven point two, and then it was two point nine. It was two point nine. I thought it was nine point something first. Seven, seven, seven point two. I think it was nine something with him in the game. You well, I, I'll give you a thirty percent odds on it here. Well, I mean, we can do the math here because in in his drives, in, on his drives, twenty seven plays. All right, um, eighty nine, uh, twenty seven plays. Yeah, that can't be right. Three, th- not tw- yeah. Uh, it was probably seven point two. You were probably right. I just I okay. watched. Well, still, game. it was oh. a big it was a big difference in yardage. <laughs> Yeah, and it, was almost, it was five. It was five yards of play. He's so good. Massive difference. He is. He's just a phenomenal player. What makes Christian McCaffrey so great? He's not only good as a back. He's an exceptional receiver, and so he ends up being this massive coverage tell. He ends up being this dynamic, show you what you're going to do against everybody else kind of guy. You, you just can't account for him. He can be anywhere. He, he's as good a slot receiver as anybody in the league. He's as good a back as anybody in the league. He can run routes from any position. He's a problem. He's a mismatch. He's a lot of things. He was the eighth. I don't remember when he came out. We've talked about this before, though. And it was like, I, I said he was the best back in that class over Fournette. And, and Dalvin Cook was in that class. Dalvin Cook had a good NFL career as well. You know what else but you said about him? I got killed for saying McCaffrey was the best back in that class. Um, yeah, because Fournette was in that draft. But there was something else you said about McCaffrey before that draft because you and I were doing the show at the time, and I rem- remember this specifically. You said he'd be one of the best receivers in the draft. And he is. And it's I'm like to... Lamar Jackson's still one of the best ball carriers in the draft. <laughs> you did say Lamar Jackson's the best running back in the draft the year he Well, came he out. had over 100 yards again last week. Yeah, he did. On the ground. 
Back to last night, uh, Chuba Hubbard, who was the back for Oklahoma State, who had a great year two years ago. I thought he actually really look, looked good in relief. And then they they got a, they got a couple of long drives, and really Darnold was making you know big play after big play. And by the way, got hit all night long. He really got hit. I thought what was really impressive about Carolina, in addition to Darnold, and they're a different team clearly without McCaffrey. I think they really are good on defense and super fast on defense, especially in their front seven. And then their secondary is awesome. Yeah, they 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 play with really really good team speed. It was it's an interesting point, you know. It's, I think Aikman said it too. You know, this this these college coaches they have a really good feel for young players and college players. But yep, when they're three and zero, they certainly have that feel. <laughs> they're on three. These college coaches do not know how to manage adults. Well, but Matt, he does seem to have a good feel. Matt Rule's doing a hell of a job. Joe Brady was the guy that obviously, you know, gave uh, helped Joe Burrow to that big year at LSU. Um, I've loved that coaching staff since it, since it was put together. I picked them Cooley before the season started to be a playoff team. I just had a, I, I had a sense that Darnold was going to be good there with Matt Rule and Joe Brady more than anything else. And if McCaffrey was healthy, that they'd be a lot better. They are a lot better, but without McCaffrey, things will change for them. Um, he's just such it's a good, but if they're a playoff team, Joe Brady's a head coach next year. I thought Joe Brady was going to be a head coach after one year, but you're right. It'll be after, uh, it'll be after next year for sure. Or after this coming season, uh, yeah. Carolina's three and oh, every team that went, uh, went three and oh last year made the postseason. Um, so anyway, uh, real quickly. So pal, the team you coach, the pal Panthers of pal, Wyoming, are undefeated still, and you've got a huge rivalry game tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have uh, three, eight, one, and two in the state. We play Cody, our rivals, in Cody. It's, a, it's our closest home game. It's, it's, it's only a twenty-minute drive over to Cody for the kids. Uh, they are good. They're, they're, they've beat us four years in a row, or four times in a row, including twice last year in the playoffs. Or once, and then again in the playoffs. It's in, yeah, it's interesting, man. They uh, they run uh, like a double wing offense with all the motion stuff, so it's a lot to prepare for. You got to play sound on defense, and based on the way we've played, where well, we predominantly run the ball, like we're sitting here drawing cards all week, preparing to run the ball into a nine man box, like. <laughs> Uh oh. If, if we get an nine bad box, we got to throw it. We're going to have to. Can your quarterback, quarterback can. can? Your quarterback yeah, can throw it? Fine. Yeah. Yeah, you can throw it. You get a nine man box, let's just throw go balls and see what happens. We got two receivers that can go get a go ball. Let's just, you're going to get a PI, you're going to get a completion. Let's just throw go balls or deep balls to see what happens. A little bit. Yeah, run it into a nine man box, dude. Have it's you, really hard. Have you been running it into a loaded box? Through the Last first... week we ran it into an eight-man box the <laughs> entire game, which they brought down into nine at times. Did it work? Well, so here's the biggest problem with last week, and it could have worked in an eight-man box. We tried to make some halftime adjustments. We, were, we didn't execute. And if you are trying to run into an eight-man box, even with two tight end sets and a fullback in there, you can't miss blocks up front because of lack of execution. Mm-hmm. There's too many guys. Like, if they're playing a seven-man box, we can afford to miss two blocks and still find a way to cut back, and someone's going to win big enough 
that's high school football. It's different. But eight and nine man boxes, you got to have a dude on a dude, and that dude should be where he's got to be. And that's how we can run the ball into a nine man box or an eight man box. So it's a big game tonight. I think we're a good team. I actually think we are a good team. I've really, I think we've talked about this. I've really struggled with understanding who's good and who's not good when we're watching film. Like, is Douglas good? Uh, Lander looks all right before we played him. Because I just haven't seen enough, especially lower level, like, I don't want to call it lower level, but small school rural football. Right. When we have, it's hard, it's hard to tell. It is hard to I'm tell. getting better at it. What's the hardest part to determine? Like, uh, what, what what makes it hard? Yeah, like, 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 when you play an offensive line, I get, man, that's a big offensive line. We got dudes. We, like, we have two dudes on our on our offensive line that there is no way are over 190. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, we have a left tackle or a right tackle that's three 310. Right. Is the center, is the a, center yeah, 190? 200 tops. Yeah. And then our two guards are little. And but then you play teams, and like that's not uncommon. You're playing D tackles that are 175. Right. So you you look at it, and you're like, we're too small. <laughs> we can't run against a nine man box, and yet, as it turns out, they're blocking guys their size, and you can run against an eight man or a nine man box. Yeah. No. This, like here's my other perfect example. I want to. The kid that was playing some quarterback early in the year before the season started. Um. We changed him over and he started playing tight end. And he's really, I think, a good player. And then last week, we were like, well, why can't, why can't he play DN too? Okay, here he is. So a kid that was going to play quarterback is now our tight end in DN. And he's not big. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he's not small. But he's a, but he's a player. Yeah, he's a, he's a player. But you don't necessarily need size. Yeah. Versus most of the teams we're playing. Like you're not going to just get run off the ball if you're not over two two ten on the line. What about tonight? Is Cody big? Cody is number one. Cooley mentioned this just to to repeat. Tonight's a matchup of in the state of Wyoming, number one against number two according to Max Preps. Cody's number one in the state in three A uh, football. Pal Cooley's team is number two. Both teams undefeated. Rivalry game. Um, is Cody bigger? Is Cody bigger? Yeah, are they big? Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, no, they're not bigger than us. They have a big big kid at center and they but no, they're not they're not that much bigger than us. No. Who's favored tonight? I don't think there's a line on that. Well what would the line be? Am I gonna get you in trouble if you say it? I don't want that to happen. No. Okay. What do you think no, the line would? No, I think based on the way we play teams and they play teams, I think you give them the three-point home advantage or two. It'd be like Cody's, Cody's favored by two. How big two will the three. crowd be for this game, Friday Night Lights? That's yeah, the other day. I don't know. I I don't even know what their stadium holds. So, but is it five hundred like people or is Cody it five hundred people? No, for, no, no. Or is no, it like, like five thousand? No, five would be. I don't think they hold five. I will say this. Last year when Powell played Cody in the playoffs, it was the semifinals. I struggled to find a ticket to get into that game. Right. Now, I don't even know if you need a ticket to get in to our game tomorrow night. I'm assuming. Like our home games, you don't buy tickets to our home games. I'm there's, assuming. No, there's, there's a walking admission. There, it's free. You just go. 
I'm assuming you don't have to provide a vaccination card. No, no, no. <laughs> no proof of vaccination in Wyoming. Anywhere. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, good luck. Uh, people, yeah. you, you can follow this stuff. There's like a stream of the game. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I went, I, it was too late at that point, and I realized that it was over, so the stream was down, and they were providing just like a bunch of advertising. But there's like if a. If there you, was a line on this game, you would watch the. If there was. The yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I would love to see Pal run the table here, get to the States, and, and, and win the state title in your first year. I mean, you know. Well, you, can, you can lose to Cody tomorrow and still win the state sure, title. Sure. Sure. How many teams make it to the postseason? I mean, there aren't a lot of schools you know in that state so it's not like a big playoff is there or am i wrong i think there's i think we talked about this the other day i think there's six and there's two buys okay got it potentially would be eight but yeah there's quarters semis yeah you get you get the four you get two teams with buys and then four play and then the two winners play the two teams with the buys in the uh, semifinals i think so yeah i think that's what it is all right i mean i'm just week in and week out right now i'm not concerned about the playoffs you know yeah, you're taking one at a time. You know, take take it one one, right. one week at a time. All right. Um, what did you think of their win over the Giants last Thursday night? I thought it was really fortunate. Like I told you a week ago, they could have pulled off a game they shouldn't have won. I'm not saying that they should not have won against the Giants because I think Heineke did a really good job. I think they did some nice things. Um, but gosh dang, if their defense can't be better than that against a giant offense, where Saquon Barkley can't even move right now, you're going to struggle. That defense is, it's got to be a defense that holds people to 22, 23. (laughs) They were saying on the game broadcast, you know, it used to be that defenses set a goal to hold people to 17. That legitimately has to be the goal for Washington's defense every week. They do not have enough talent and weapons. Troy Aikman said that last night. He said that last yeah. night. He said Jimmy used to say, you know, all we got to do is have a defense that holds them to seventeen, and and we're going to be okay. That's not the it's not the same number anymore in the NFL. The number's more like no, and he, 21. He like twenty one, twenty two. No, yeah. I think the number's more like twenty four. Yeah, if you hold somebody to twenty four, you you're a pretty good defense. I don't know. Twenty one seems more like it. I'm not saying you're a pretty good defense, but if you hold someone to twenty four, you got a chance to win. Yeah. You should, but not everybody does. But. I think that that gives you a really good chance to win a ball game. All right, you hold someone to twenty four. So be- score more than nine though. Before you you break down Heineke a little bit, what's wrong with the defense through two games? I so I watching it think it's the linebacker group. Like I think it's that middle group. I know that you talked to Ron Rivera and he had mentioned gap stuff up front. But gap stuff is also the linebackers. Yeah, exactly. And maybe in a single gap defense, what, what they're doing, maybe you do get a guy like Chase Young or Montez Sweat playing out of gap. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I think, it, especially from watching the first game and some, like some of the backer depth stuff is all over the place. The, dr- the drops and the levels that they're dropping are all over the place. They're not really getting dynamic pressure up front as a pass rush group. So, I, I don't know, Kev. I mean, I don't think that they're excellent in the back end. I don't think that they're terrible. I, like, I would I would go at St. Juice all day. He's a rookie. Um, but, I, it, like, you have to be scary up front with that group. And that's that's it. They're not. 
I don't think the linebackers are good. I think they're average in the secondary, but their front four should be playing like a bunch of a bunch of dudes, and they're they're not. John is. It's out there. John is. Yeah, John Allen is. Yeah. I mean, he's really that's I like would. I. That's I, what I would think would be the problem. I asked Rivera, and and I'm actually going to play some of Rivera um, from the radio show, especially what he said about Heineke. Um, you'll hear that coming up. Uh, but you can also listen to the whole interview at the team980.com or on the Odyssey app. But what I was going to say is that Rivera, uh, you know, after talking multiple weeks in a row about his biggest concerns defensively are maturity, which would, what he's really trying to say is the discipline to play that gap control scheme and not get out of their responsibilities and not freelance, which he agreed with that description that some guys were freelancing. I, I asked him, I said, rather than saying who hasn't played well, I said, who's played well on defense through the first two weeks? Figuring that he'll give me a list of players and then we can, you know, deductive reasoning into who he didn't mention. And the first three guys he mentioned were his interior tackles. Allen, Ionitis, and Payne. And then, you know, he sort of caught himself and he said, in the two, in the two young DNs, they've had their moments and they're really trying to make plays and they're, they haven't gotten home enough, but they, it's not because of lack of effort, et cetera. Um, and, uh, but I also have this sense that he's also probably not happy with some of the linebacker play as well. And part of that, you know, has sort of been reflected in last week, they had a lot of five-man defensive fronts throwing Ioannidis out there. And the linebackers, you know, whether it was – they had Holcomb out there a lot and Bostic and Jamie Davis out there a little bit less. But, you know, they're playing with two linebackers and sometimes just one linebacker. You're just trying to find a way to get your best 11 on the field. Yeah. It's really the way I look at it. Is You're just saying we have to find a way to get the best 11 on the field. And if doing that means – that we have to manipulate a coverage where it's essentially blitz every down that, that package is on the field, then that's what it is. And But you're also saying we're going to go five-man rush, and at least four out of five of those guys are getting one-on-one matchups that we have to win. It's, it's not a bad – I don't hate doing that. It's like, it's like if you had a 3-4 when everyone said, why would we ever drop Ryan Kerrigan? Because when you bring everybody on a 3 4, it's a blitz. Right. So, like, I wouldn't have hated just rushing five every time on first and second down. It, it put some pressure on your secondary. But yeah, I mean, I just don't think Javon Davis is ready to play right now. I didn't think he was going to be a guy that was going to come in ready to play after watching him last year. I think Holcomb's probably the most rounded, so he'd be the one that you'd see in more. I think Bostic still struggles. And I don't think that when you get five on five or your five guys in there, that you're getting dynamic wins up front. The thing that I would wonder, though, is like play the analytics or the blackjack odds. Why would you go away from it? At some point, it's going to win. Like it's it's a better hand than anything else you have with those five down. That's that's what I think. Like you put Payne, Allen, Sweat, Chase Young, Matt Ioannidis in there. Tim Settle can still rotate. Casey Tuhill's not a bad player. Like you get those guys on a. On five down, it it seems like the odds are that one of them is going to win. Yeah, uh, and you know the truth is a lot of these guys have won several times. I mean, Allen's been difficult to handle. He's won a ton. Young's won, you know, uh, enough. Sweat has too. They just haven't closed it out, you know. And then 
because of some really good throws by Herbert, some really good back shoulder catches, getting the ball out really quickly. Uh, there's also been a ton of people wide open. And then Daniel Jones really killing them with read options, uh, read option runs. Um, and, and, and you know, and then in, in the drop back game, the, the truth is that Daniel Jones really hurt him in the drop, drop back game too. You know, they didn't get home enough. Um, and when they did. And they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have because they couldn't run it. You mean they should have? Because what do you mean they shouldn't have? Because they couldn't. He, run he it? shouldn't. Have, he shouldn't have hurt them in the drop back game the way he did. Right. Well, because they couldn't run it. He's better than people think. I I think. I think Daniel Jones is much. Oh better than no! Think. Don't get me wrong on Daniel Jones, but when you you're that kind of defense that has those kind of pressures, yeah, and the offense realistically should be one dimensional, other than Daniel Jones RPOs. Which come on, dude, let's. Just get a backer or a safety to play Jones on the RPO on the edge. Like, if you're going to get RPO, you know what looks you're getting it out of. Just bring a backer and say, if he takes the edge, you have Jones. Not that freaking hard. You mean on read options. So, on, on read options. Yeah. yeah. People, that, that was a little bit of a, um, of a nitpick the other day. A lot of people keep calling these read options RPOs. As you know, an RPO is a run-pass option where the quarterback's either going to oh. – throw it or he's going to leave it in the gut of the running back behind him the read option is when he's either going to run it or the running back's going to run it you know this but a lot yeah. of people trying to explain it even on television get it wrong someone was doing that close to me this week and i was not very pleased <laughs> okay remember it's zone read. remember it's even zone if read. you're right it's not an rpo yeah zone read read zone option read. rpo is different rpo by the way oh here's something for you the NFL has called ineligible men downfield more in the first couple weeks of the season than maybe – I think it's like – I've got to find this now. It was Terry McCauley who put the tweet out. I saw it. Basically, a lot more ineligible receivers downfield this year. And the reason is, is that there's Ball's much more RPO. And you only have a yard before you are ineligible. And as, as you know, the, the offensive line's blocking run on an RPO. In college, you have three yards. What do you have in high school on RPOs or on ineligible uh, linemen downfield? Do you know what the rule is? Yeah, they they give a lot of leeway. The high school rule, well, first of all, Cody is ineligible downfield every time they throw an RPO. This needs to be brought up pregame and discussed before anything starts because Cody is, is... is cheating. Um, Are so they, I think is it three? Is it three yards? Behind the, if the ball's thrown behind the line of scrimmage, I, I think that it. Yeah. You, you can have anybody downfield. Right. But I think it's it's three yards. It's just the NFL is not going to give that leeway. Right. Like, it, the, those guys are good enough. Can operate. Can operate quick enough. They're not going to give the leeway. And those officials have seen it enough, and they're looking for it. College gets more leeway than you would think. The thing is, is once the quarterback pulls it from that back's gut, if you watch, if, unless you, unless the team truly doesn't go downfield ever, once the quarterback pulls it from its gut, if it's more than a one count, it's it's an illegal downfield. Yeah, but the the, the difference is in college, it's three yards of room before you're ineligible. In the NFL, it's one yard. And then the NFL is no, enforcing I know, I know, that rule this college, year. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, but but college, college, you're, you, you're three yards downfield in, in a one count. 
Yeah, I, I get it. And they're blocking run, and the ball's coming out quickly, and people are, you know, uh, whatever. Um, we've seen, obviously, yeah, a proliferation high school, high of all of three it. three yards, but, but I've seen a lot of plays on film where there's, there's a full five. Well, you got to get with the referees before the game tonight, and you've got to – It's s- not my job, buddy. Well – You've got to tell the coach, look, I've been watching some tape. They're downfield. There's a lot. Yeah, we know. We know. We will. Just checking. Just making sure. Um, So, uh, Taylor Heineke last week, you said you thought he was really good. Um, Cooley, he's played 11 and a half quarters for this team, going back to the fourth quarter against Carolina, the game against Tampa in the playoffs, the two and a half quarters against the Chargers, and the full game against the Giants. And I, I think his grade is is an A. I think he's been really good in these games. I mean, it's a very small sample size. But I also think that this week is a much bigger test. I've been talking about it all week on this podcast and on the show. Ron Rivera, I asked him about it, and I'm going to play his response for you here in a second. Um, but A, what do you think of Taylor Heineke so far this year? And B, do you agree with me or not that on the road is a completely different animal for him, especially in that environment in Buffalo? Yeah, I think it, you could say that, but on the road he was fine in Tampa in a playoff game. It wasn't on the road. It was at home. You're right. It yeah, was This is home. his first road game. It should not have been at home. Well, it was because they were the division um, champ. Yeah. I think I think it will be a completely different animal because it. The thing he, I think he's done really well is, well, I think he's done a lot of things really well, but I think he's gotten from the huddle to the line of scrimmage and kept tempo and kept everything rolling with, with pace, and that's a different world on the road. So how can he manage that? But like first and foremost, I think he's got guts. I think there's a lot of other things to him, but I think that there's that toughness factor. Like, that competitive drive is there. Want to win. And because of that, like I really am not interested in Washington winning or losing football games in any way, shape, or form, to be honest, sorry. Um, but I am because of Heineke. It's weird. After the playoff game and watching him a little bit, he's the real reason I'm interested in watching the game. And it's guts, it's some moxie. I think he throws the ball with accuracy. I think he's smart with where he goes with the football. I think he can move in the pocket. I think he can get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs. I, I think he's like. He, can you imagine if he was six four? Well, he's not, not tiny. Five, nine. He's not five nine. I know. I don't. I don't think he's. Tiny. I actually I think he doesn't look tiny. Scott Turner said the other day one of the issues he got overlooked is he was little. I see he's listed as 6-1-2-10. I mean, he actually, in that first game when he came in, looked bigger than Fitzpatrick to me. Well, Fitzpatrick's tiny. Uh, it's same size, basically, uh, you know, program height. I'm pretty sure. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. But, I, but I think Fitzpatrick's listed at 6-1-2. I don't think he looks that tiny. You said, you said something, though, and I'm just going to push back on it. No, I just, I, I just meant, can you imagine if he was 6'4", all of the... Oh, yeah, 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 of course. He like, he would have never been overlooked. He would have been the guy. Right. You said something, though. I'm just going to push back on this a little bit and get your response. I think that the one thing that, to me, has been very inconsistent has been his accuracy. I think that he's he's not consistently accurate. I think his receivers have made some really good catches which is okay. Um, That's what they're paid to do. I think he's very consistently high when he misses. 
Um, but at the same time, even if it's inaccurate, he's giving his guys a chance to catch it. I'm not saying like he's throwing it into the yeah, dirt. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that that is a really good point. Well, I don't want to talk you into that pin- position if you don't feel that way. That's no, just what it's, I think. It's not pinpoint, but there there are just things like that throw he made to the tight end in the quarter of the end zone. Yeah, great throw, incredible throw. Off script, late, and man, maybe that. There are throws that could be more accurate, but I I, like, I still like his ball placement a lot of the time. I like his idea with it a lot of the time. And it's not like Dwayne Haskins where he's throwing a crosser down the middle of the field that's nine yards over the dude's head, and you're like, whoa, that one failed. It's a little high. I thought it was interesting that in the time in the games that we had seen him before, it was his mobility that was his obvious strength, and it was his ability to – you know, playoff schedule to make plays with his legs, either as a runner or a thrower. And then in that Thursday night game, the Giants said, uh, we're, we're keeping you in the pocket. We're going to play soft coverage and see if you can beat us from the pocket. And he did. He distributed the ball very well. Yeah, I'd come after him, though. Oh, B- Buffalo, I think, I think Buffalo will. Come, I think Buffalo will come after him from everywhere. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd come after him. Yeah, I think you're going to see that Sunday too. They they really went after Tua and then uh, Brissett last week, and they dial up exotic blitzes from everywhere. I mean, it's safeties, it's corners, it's it's nickels, it's it's coming from everywhere, and I don't know that he's really seen that so far, and certainly hasn't seen it seen it on the road where the crowd's into it and you've got silent counts and all that stuff going on. We played Todd Bull's defense, so he saw it. Yeah, he saw it without Devin White on the field. So it, it doesn't. Yeah, he saw it without a certain player, but he saw the exotics. Yeah, yeah, I, I forget exactly now. Going back to that playoff game, what Tampa did. He played great in that game. That's all I remember. He was awesome. Um, they right. came after him a bunch in that game. So I want to play. They came after him a bunch, and he made throws. Yeah, he made a lot of throws. Do you remember – so you, you, B- Bowles came after him all night long? I mean, remember, they, they didn't even know he was – they didn't even know he was going to be the starter, remember? Didn't even know he was going to be the starter until about an hour before. No, but Bowles comes after everybody. Yeah, true. Yeah. They sacked him twice, and in the game they hit him um, six times. Uh, you want to know what his PFS grade was? Yeah, I do. I think it was very good in that game. I think it was the highest of the postseason, if I recall. Of any quarterback. Oh, in the I don't know. Season. No, sorry. I could go. I can go find that for you. But oh, his I, PFF grade for for this week against seventy two point seven. Yeah, but that's not bad. No, it's not bad. The play, the, the interception, obviously hurt him at the end. The playoff game, though, I believe, I think this is true. I think he had the highest PFF quarterback grade of any quarterback in any playoff game last year in the one he played against Tampa. I think that's true. I could be wrong. Um, His QBR in that game was 57, and Brady's was 79.9. So, you know, PFF's a little bit uh, different than the QBR thing. I want to play this quick soundbite for you from Ron Rivera. It was an exchange that we had uh, in my interview that I do with him every week that it, he, he appears on the radio station with me, 8 a.m. on Fridays. 
And I asked him about sort of the importance of this first road game. Um, and this is what he said, and then you'll hear my follow-up. But now this is truly, like, to your point, Kevin, his first opportunity to start on the road in a hostile environment. This, this to me, will probably be the, 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 really the last final thing to really look at and see if this guy and be able to say, you know what, this guy is really an NFL dude. What's your gut on how he'll handle it Sunday? I think he'll handle it well. You know, how we react and how we handle it as a, as, as a team, that, that's what I'm really curious and interested in. Um, we're talking to Ron Rivera. So this is the last test that'll tell you that he's really a dude, you know, uh, in, in this league. What do you think right now? Uh, and I'm sure some people close to view, close to you have asked you this. What do you think Taylor Heineke's future is in the NFL? Oh, I think he can play, period. I mean, there's no reason for him not to based on the things he's done. So a bona fide week-in, week-out starting quarterback in the NFL? I think he can be that kind of guy. You know, and again, like I said, this week will be a real good indicator as to how far uh, – you know, what, what is his ceiling? You know, what, what is he potentially capable of? So will he be that guy for you moving forward? Well, we'll see. That's why we play him, Kevin, to find <laughs> things out. So that was Rivera saying, you know, that this test on Sunday in Buffalo, hostile environment, is the test where they will be able to see the final thing that you can look at and see and then be able to say, is this guy really an NFL dude? Um, they really like quizzes and tests. <laughs> Good point. I, I wish I had remembered that. They, I, they really, really like to quiz and test. And uh, they, come on. Okay, first of all, come on. Ser- seriously. This is the last test that we need to see if he's an NFL dude. Like one road game? Right. True. Kevin, one road Okay, we saw him come in and play against Tampa in a playoff game at home. We saw him come off the bench in one game. We saw him start one game, and now one road game. Four games, we will know if he's an NFL day-in and day-out starting dude quarterback. Yeah, understood. Please. Here's what he is. Okay, just, just so you, here's his best-case upside, in my opinion. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He will constantly be overlooked because he's constantly going to have the, the like scary tinge that he might get hurt. He's small. He's no, he's not a drafted guy. No one has any commitment into him. He will be his best scenario, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He will go play if he if he's going to be an NFL dude. Taylor Heineke is going to end up starting for six different teams. Period. He's n- never going to be the dude. Okay. I uh, like him. I, I I'm not saying that he could I, like I, I could he like if he if he became Drew Brees. Good for him. I'm actually rooting for him. I don't think he's a bad player. I'm just saying the the way that the NFL works and the way that teams work and how people do the things that they do puts the odds in him being Ryan Fitzpatrick if he has success, not Drew Brees. I think not, and this isn't indicative of his play. Just to, just so you, we're clear on that, I like how he plays. Well, you like how Ryan Fitzpatrick plays and played the last couple of years. I think sure. I, I think it's I think they play very similarly. I think it's a really good comparison. Now, remember what I told you right after the play, playoff game? I said he reminds me of Jeff Garcia. Now, Jeff Garcia, if he became Jeff Garcia, that's a lot different than becoming Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's a much bigger ceiling. So why? 
Well, because Garcia was a, a multi-year bona fide NFL Pro Bowl starter, and Fitzpatrick's never been that. So that's a bigger ceiling if he were to become I mean, Garcia. It's just interesting, you know, like, what after the 49ers, where did he make Pro, pro Bowls? Did he make a Pro Bowl in Philly? Uh, maybe. Possibly. Like, I'm looking it up Jeff right Garcia. now. He was a, so you know, here's Jeff Garcia. He's a four-time Pro Played Bowler. in Canada, 49ers, yeah. Cleveland, Detroit, Philadelphia, right. Tampa Bay. Right. Played again in Canada. That's he right. He played for 16, 17. Yeah. That's the same dude, man. He just had a couple better years. He made Pro Bowls in Nobody San Francisco and Tampa Bay. Okay, how about this? He was also a okay. CFL champion and MVP. That's awesome. Well, I mean, hold on. Taylor Taylor Heineke wasn't even starting in the XFL. Are you you telling me you think Ryan Fitzpatrick's career is equivalent to Jeff Garcia's career? It's not. Well, let's let's, – okay, this is a long road, but hold on real quick. Just based on the two of them, 03 in San Francisco, Garcia, 04 in Cleveland, 05 in Detroit, 06 in Philadelphia, 07 in Tampa Bay, 08 in Tampa Bay, back to Philadelphia in the 09. You're telling me that he was a bona fide NFL starter as a dude. He played five years in San Francisco, where he three of them he started every game. But I'll bet you Ryan Fitzpatrick's career statistically trumps Jeff Garcia's by a mile. It doesn't matter. Ryan Fitzpatrick's never had the even ceiling if results. Him, even if you give him his his 18 game Calgary stints, <laughs> I'll bet you Fitzpatrick. It's because he never got to play for a team that could win. Garcia played for the 49ers from 2000 to 2003 after Montana and Young. They still had dudes there. Yeah. I, 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 I understand the comparison in terms of the journeyman aspect of his career, all the different places he played. But again, four Pro Bowl seasons, you know, quarterbacking teams to the postseason, quarterbacking in playoff wins. Um, so I, I, it's just different than Fitzpatrick. I think they're similar in the way they play. And I think it's a fair point that, that, that Fitzpatrick was always on teams that weren't very good. And Garcia was on those 49er teams that were good with T.O., et cetera. Um, but I think Garcia, I'd put him at a higher level. And so if you're, if I'm saying that Taylor Heineke's ceiling is Jeff Garcia, and I didn't say that, I'm just saying that's who I initially thought of. And if that's his ceiling, it's higher than the Ryan Fitzpatrick ceiling. That's all I'm saying. Dude, they are like the same dude statistically. Mm. Fitzpatrick's, other than his win-loss, stats aren't bad. Well, yeah, there's a massive win-loss difference, I would would assume. I would assume. Percentage 61, Fitzpatrick was 60. Fitzpatrick has... What about touchdowns to picks? What about touchdowns to picks? Garcia, 180... 161 to 83. Yeah. Garcia, 223 to 169. Uh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So, um, what would be. They're pretty close. Uh, Well, no, 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 it's not. It's not close. The the interception percentage is much lower for Garcia than Fitzpatrick, if those are the numbers you just gave me. 3.3 for Fitzpatrick. Yeah. 2.3 for Garcia. Yeah, that's that's a big statistical difference. difference. Yeah. So, um, Okay, whatever. I mean, I I don't. The, the, I, my intent wasn't to sit here and debate and argue Jeff Garcia versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I, know, I but I think the head happened, I think the headline the headline is you think his ceiling is Ryan Fitzpatrick, which means let's you, call it Jeff or, or for your 
for you. For no, your don't you don't say Jeff Garcia Jeff because that's Gar- gonna that's Jeff gonna Garcia. reopen the discussion and the argument again. No, it's not. Yes, it's it not. is. Like I'll get. I'll, okay, I'll just I'll just bump bump it to Jeff Garcia. It's not hard for me because I don't think that he was that different of a player from Fitzpatrick. So I'll bump it up to Garcia. You know what is similar? Um, what is similar about Garcia? Because I looked this up and I just pulled up his Pro Football Reference numbers. What's really similar is that while Garcia had this very successful CFL career, he didn't get his opportunity to really play in the NFL until he was 29 years old. And it's the same thing pretty much with Heineke at 28 years old. And it's the yeah. same thing with Kurt you Warner. Know what? Or, uh, Warner may have been a little bit um, right. younger. And, and you know what? I, like, I could see Garcia starting here in Washington for three, four, five years, just like Garcia did in San Francisco. If, they can't, if they're winning a little bit and they're not, you know, maybe like San Francisco is winning a little bit. There was nobody. If you can win, if Heineke can, can keep winning, he can keep them from drafting a first-round quarterback. It would be the greatest thing for the franchise. It would be the best thing to happen to him in years if that actually were to happen, that it turns out that Taylor Heineke can really play and that he can be either, I'm going to concede here, either Jeff Garcia on good teams or Ryan Fitzpatrick on bad teams. Um, let's get to keys to beating Buffalo right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Cooley, I doubt you've been following this, but the line opened at nine and a half beginning of the week. 
It's now down to seven. And I made this point on the radio show early this morning. I think this has a lot of similarities to the game they played against Pittsburgh last year. I mean, much later in the season, and Pittsburgh was undefeated at the time. But Pittsburgh was coming off, you know, a short preparation week. They had played the Wednesday before against the Ravens because of a COVID reschedule. The game against Washington was rescheduled for a Monday after afternoon, if you recall. It was scheduled for Sunday. Washington had had all of the lead-up time because their previous game had been against Dallas. And it was a good setup. For, for Washington and Pittsburgh. I picked Washington outright before Pittsburgh last year. I remember that I had them plus the number. I had them on the money line. I had them as a smell test pick, et cetera, et cetera. In Washington, that point spread opened at eight and came all the way down to five and a half. This one opened at nine and a half. It's down to seven. Buffalo has lesser time, less time to prepare. They got they played two good defensive teams and they're beat up a little bit. They're not playing well. And Pittsburgh, even though they were undefeated, believe it or not, they weren't playing well um, as an undefeated team. And I just think it's a good setup for Washington to have a chance Sunday at Buffalo. And I think, you know, it's it's the NFL, right? Two weeks ago, we would have said, all right, well, you know, they got to start off, you know, one and one or get two here against the Chargers and the Giants because Buffalo is going to be one of those games that they probably don't have a chance in. But I think they do. What do you think? I don't know if they have a chance to win this ballgame. I think they have a good chance to cover the seven points in this ballgame. Mm-hmm. Rather have nine and a half. I, like, the thing is, is like Buffalo's good enough. Buffalo's a very good defense, first of all, so which will, will create problems for Washington on offense, especially on the road. If Heineke is, a, a, again, great in his 73%, and he finds McLaurin, and he finds some of these dudes, and you can get Humphreys going. And like I don't think Deami Brown's going to do much this year. Um, Why? Why? He's been pretty good don't see this so far. He's been average. How good is he? Why do you think he's been good? I've watched two games. I haven't watched I anything on film. I, mean, like, I haven't been even slightly I know, I, impressed. I know, I know you're not watching it as closely as, as you as Yeah, you pro football have. focus is grading him out after two two games at a, a solid 53. Um, only DeAndre Carter and John Bates are worse on the Washington offense. Okay, well, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, weird. It's, we now put, I'm going to use it in my favor, even though I don't. <laughs> yeah, even though you don't really agree with a lot of the PFF grades. I no, I, I think that, that, I think he's played that garbage. I don't think he can separate one on one. I don't like him. I don't think really. I don't dislike his potential in the future. Through two games, I'm like, who are you? I think his speed is noticeable. He drew that PI call against the Chargers. He had that big early uh, catch in the game against the Giants. Um, I think he's got good hands. He's a big target. I like him. I like Deami Brown. Um, I like Terry a lot more. I mean, that's obvious. How good is – I mean, seriously, how good is Terry McLaurin? How good, Terry McLaurin's outstanding. So good. I think Terry McLaurin is, is just absolutely outstanding. So they, am, re- they, they really fed him against the Giants. All right. Um, let, I mean, here's the thing. He yeah. can win against any one corner. Like he, he can win against your star corner. He does not back down. He beats anyone in the league. And it might not be every time, but he can win often. 
All right, let's let's go. Washington beats Buffalo if, and we'll do it the way we used to do it. You give me one, I'll give you one, and we'll continue until we're done. You start. Washington beats Buffalo. You don't get you you don't get beat to death by Josh Allen off script. You don't give up nineteen completions with him running outside of the pocket and finding any one of those dudes toe tapping the sideline and them moving the chains in a third and thirteen situation. We're like, we had them backed up. Oh my god, we were good. We had we were gonna get a punt here, and you're like, how did he make that throw? He's never gonna make that throw again. Like Steph Curry shooting threes, you're like, yeah, yeah, he's gonna make the very next throw he throws. It's like next time he's rolling as hard as he can to his left, throwing back across the field, across across the field to anybody. Like, yeah, he'll make the throw the next time. He makes those throws. You do not get beat to death in situational football with Josh Allen outside of the pocket. It's so – the way you describe that with the toe tapping, I can't – it seemed like every single game last year with Buffalo. Here's Allen creating time, extending, running around, and then throwing to Stefan Diggs or somebody who just barely got two feet in bounds on the sideline to move the chains. It's so true. That happened all last year. He was incredible. It hasn't really happened in the first two games. He hasn't been that good. He's been out of rhythm. He's been out of sync. So has that offense, but they've played – Two good defensive teams. My first one is this. Washington beats Buffalo if the pass protection holds up because I do think that they are going to get after Taylor Heineke. They're quick. They're athletic. They blitz from everywhere. They did it last week. Who knows? The Giants blitzed Bridgewater a ton and didn't necessarily come after Heineke as much. But I think Buffalo at home with a crowd – um, and, you know, silent counts required. I think that you're going to see some false starts. I think you're going to see um, the pass protection have to hold up uh, in this game. By the way, I think we'll see a lot of no huddle from Washington on Sunday. We've already seen it in the first two games. I think we'll see no huddle to keep the defense that Scott Turner wants to face out there, and I think we'll see a lot of quick count and a lot of quick throws, and a lot of those – bubbles and run extension throws like they like they did last year against Baltimore with Dwayne if you recall but I think the pass protections are really gonna have to hold up or this could be you know a game that goes sideways where Buffalo makes a bunch of backside hits and game-changing plays with their pressure pass protection number one uh, for Washington beating Buffalo what's your number two the funniest thing is, is my number two says they have to protect versus five man pressure. Yeah, and that's the thing is Buffalo's not like they might have some really exotic type looks or some different, but they're bringing five a lot of the time when they blitz. They're not bringing six and seven. Right, and they're playing more exotic looks and coverage behind what they're actually playing in the blitz. And so I'll add to it. Like obviously, you got to pick up the five and six man pressure situations, but you can't make make mistakes like the Dolphins did last week, throwing into coverage that you don't see post-snap. Like those post-snap rotations cannot be picked because you're worried you're getting pressured. So one, you have to trust that you're going to get those pressures picked up. And two, you can't make the dumb mistake throwing a quick ball for a pick. can't make mistakes into the blitzes. Yeah, and, you know, in a game like this, I mean, well, let me get to my next one because it sort of plays into it. Washington wins – if the defense shows up for the first time this year. And, you know, one of the things that we all thought, uh, you know, in in liking the defense and liking the talent and loving all the first-round picks on the defensive front and liking that Rivera and Del Rio were better than Joe Barry and anybody that came before them, um, Greg Minuski, 
um, is that, you know, you had a chance, right? Defense travels, the old adage in the NFL. If you got a really good defense, you've got a chance. You might not be a, a Super Bowl contender, and you typically are not without a quarterback, but you got a chance to be competitive week in and week out, and you have a chance to be competitive on the road. Though the defense has not stepped up. And Josh Allen and the Buffalo offense, they've struggled in the first two games. They haven't looked themselves. Uh, he's, he's near the bottom of every statistical category through two weeks. So is, if they come out and they get healthy and they get right against Washington's defense, it's going to be a, a big conversation on Monday because the defense was supposed to be two weeks ago the strength of this team. And here we are talking two weeks into the season, Cooley, about how we're concerned about the defense, but we feel pretty good about Taylor Heineke as the starter. It just is – I was telling Tommy yesterday, I mean, that's the NFL in a nutshell. It's like within two weeks we've gone from, well, the defense is going to have to carry him to what's wrong with the defense? Taylor Heineke's not the problem. He'll give us a chance to win. Defense has to step up. And I think, you know, the, there have been individuals like Josh Allen who have been outstanding. I think Cameron Curls played really well when he's been in there. I thought, unlike you, I thought Jamin Davis played much better last week, but I still see a guy that's trying to figure it out. I, and I agree with you totally on the linebackers. We need Chase Young to be disruptive. Sunday. We need a, you know, a batted ball or two from Montez Sweat on third and seven. Um, they've got to travel. They've got to step up. They've got to have a game. I think Buffalo can run the football against Washington. Devin Singletary's been excellent. I still am not sure about Washington as a run-stopping team. So part of that is stopping the run. Part of it, of course, is getting off the field on third down and to get off the field on third down I made this point after the Chargers game they've got to be better on first and second down so it's not third and short all day so um uh, the defense has to 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 step up and stopping the run getting off the field third down being good on first and second down you know and and by the way being very careful with Josh Allen. You know, a lot of our fans coolly again why don't we play more press man coverage? You know, why don't we blitz more? Well, the, these are the kinds of quarterbacks you got to be careful of because when your backs are turned and you got blitz pressure and he runs it up the A gap and he's still running 30 yards later and he's sliding down right in front of a DB who finally turned around and realized he was running, that's why. That's why you don't play a lot of press man coverage against a, a quarterback that can kill you with his legs. So. Um, a lot of discipline. Uh, defense has to play better or they're not going to win this game because I don't see them winning a 35-30 shootout. All right, so what do we want to do here with press man coverage? We are going to go ahead and put, um, I don't know, let's see, uh, William Jackson will cover Diggs. for us, Stefan Diggs. We'll put uh, – St. Juice will probably check Beasley, so we'll put him over on Beasley. Well, so Fuller's the slot. Fuller's going like, to cover Beasley, right? Okay, Fuller, Fuller will cover Beasley, so so St. Juice is going to cover Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, right. good. Let's go lockdown press man-to-man coverage, um, and we're and we're in good shape. And let's not Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary not, not too big of a deal. Either. Come on, dude, you can't play this team press man with the quarterback that can run. Right, it's a joke. I know. I, I, it's, it's like they won't even. They, they, here, to, to anybody that's asking that question, they're not a press man team. They're a, a three and four coverage team. They play cover three. They play cover four. 
Those are the two varieties. They play varieties of three, and they play varieties of four. And when they bring pressure, they like to bring pressure out of three. When they, they play three deep and three underneath, and they play three. Like it's, they're not a man team. Carolina wasn't a man team. Ron Rivera and Del Rio are not. They're a. They're not a press man team. No. But it's funny. You, you said you got to stop the run. Buffalo is not a team that really wants wants to run the ball. They don't. I yeah. mean, that was emphasized in the playoffs last year. But if Devin Singletary has 13 carries for 82 yards, they will win the game. Buffalo will win if he has 6.3 yards a carry. They will stay balanced enough on offense to do whatever Allen wants. If if Singletary averages 6.3 like he did against Miami and and Josh Allen averages seven yards a carry, and they mix in eight more carries to Zach Moss. And Buffalo on the ground goes 30 carries for 4.8. Let's put it this way. The key to the game is if Buffalo's over 3.5 yards on the ground, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that Buffalo, you know, the, the way they played last year is, isn't what you uh, – you wouldn't be concerned about getting run on. But Singletary's been phenomenal in these first two starts. He's averaging over six – he's averaging like six and a half yards a carry, something like that. And he's, and he's getting – look, last week the numbers were – um, pretty even because they were up big and they didn't have to throw it against well, Miami. That's why Zach Moss had eight carry plays. Yeah, and that's why. And, and by the way, Zach, Ma- Zach Moss Singletary can play really too. One. And Singletary really had one carry. He had a big one early like for a touchdown. Yeah, he had a he had a long yeah, run that, for a touchdown early in that game. How long was the because run? Miami is here. It is forty six yards. Forty six guys. Yeah. Fifty. My my point is, I don't think we're good against the run. I, we, we, we weren't last year. I don't know that we are this year. We didn't have to worry about it necessarily in the opener. Last week, Daniel Jones shredded us with, with read option plays. By the way, Josh Allen, he will run some read options. They will run some quarterback draws. You know, he's going he's gonna to run the football. Um, I just still – it was one of the biggest things coming into the season. I said, I just don't see an elite defense if you can't stop the run consistently. So maybe Buffalo becomes something different this week against you know this defense. I, I, I we're going to have some teams that will test them, you know, with with the run uh, coming up. Um, but anyway, okay. So uh, what's your next one? They're they're going to have to find a way to control the ball a little bit in Buffalo. Yeah, and maybe that is running the ball, or maybe that's screen game or short pass game, or they got to move. The, they got to move the sticks. Like in some way, they're going to need to be in third and manageables, or just get first downs. Uh, I think if you're not over forty plus percent in third down situations, then Josh Allen's going to end up having the ball too much. Your defense is going to be on the field too much, and if that becomes the case, then you're going to struggle. Like you just don't want to give Allen in, in that group multiple opportunities. You want to make this a ten possession game if you can do that. And so, I, I don't know if they can run it. Have with with their line and and their front, but at the same time, like Gibson averaged five yards carry against the Giants. I know. And gave it to him thirteen times. I, I told, I asked Rivera. I said, "Your last week, were you balanced enough? You had forty six throws, twenty two runs, and Gibson was averaging, you know, over six, you know." Uh, 13 for 69, you know, so, and he said, yeah, for that game, I think we moved it. Not, you know, I'm, I'm with you on this. I don't care how you move the football and I don't care. Yeah. About you can balance. take out 10 of those throws into the last part of that game. 
Yeah. I, you know, if you want to weigh it to true balance. And, yeah, and, but and I still think Gibson needs more stuff. touches. I think Gibson needs more touches. I think he's a I think he's a, a a player who's on the verge of becoming very well known and I don't want to say a star. I don't want to get out there on that. But I think Gibson needs more than 13 touches a game. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And and they still they they do not give it to JD McKissick. I mean, nobody wants to hand it off. To but him. they got it Although to him. they got it to him as a pass receiver. Yeah. You know, as a receiver, he had a big game. Yeah. I, um, I, they just got to control the ball. I, I don't really, I don't really think it makes too big of a too much of a difference how you do it. I, I mean, it doesn't matter to me if you if you can pass the ball eight times down the field and go score, and, and that's what you're doing. As long as you're moving the sticks and you're going down and getting points. It, they just got to control the ball. I I think the last thing for me is that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to defense primarily, but, you know, coming into the season, we felt like they had A players, like plural, uh, for the first time in a long time. And the A players mm-hmm. haven't played at an A level yet, except for Terry McLaurin. Um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat and John Allen – They've got to they they've got to make you know a, a couple of key plays in this game that are difference making plays, you know a a, a forced fumble, um, a sack, blindside sack, pick it up and run with it to set up a score or score themselves. Um, McLaurin's going to have to make a, a a tough catch, you know, on a third and ten in traffic. Um, your star, your star players, and by the way, I, I think Gibson could be a part of that with a big game on Sunday. Um, I just think that that's the. Uh, I don't see ultimately the the game being decided by, um, you know, by coverage on the back end with uh, with Landon Collins and uh, William Jackson. I, I see the the front four and the star players changing the game somehow and making two or three plays that determine the game. Because I do think it's going to be a competitive game. Anyway, what, what else you got? I think we I think we I think we did a lot there. <laughs> I think we did a lot. I think there. we gave them a lot of ways to win. Yeah, we always do. Uh, all I right. Mean, they're going to have to score more than the other team. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, we're going to finish up with a prediction, and if you want to stick around for my smell test, Cooley, you can do it. I know that you're interested in it because you ask me about it every week. Before uh, the prediction, can I ask you two, a couple things? Sure. One, would a tie be a win for you this week? Well, it wouldn't be a win because it would be a tie. Are you for if you? If you're asking would you consider me, consider that yes, a moral victory. Yes, win? yeah. Would I, you take a tie. Yeah, right I, now, if you could take a tie, you'd take a tie. Damn right. I love it. Would you? If I was Washington, I'd take a tie right now, and I wouldn't even go play the game. <laughs> I I said this morning, and of course, you know, our good friend Doc Walker would just he he would blow a, a gasket. That this because they survived and they essentially got a mulligan in that giant game and they're one and one, it just makes this game sort of a gravy, you know, icing on the cake opportunity. And I think it's a big opportunity, and I'm excited about it for them because I think it's like the Pittsburgh game is a little bit. If they win this game, all of a sudden they're really going to be taken seriously. Now a lot of people will just be questioning Buffalo's start too. 
Um, but they go to Buffalo and they win. It's like when they went to Pittsburgh and won last year, even though they were in a terrible division. And this would be much earlier in the year. It's going to be a time to take Washington seriously, even though they lost to the Chargers and got lucky against the Giants. But, you know, the fact that they are one and one, if they go there and lose, you know, in a close competitive game, it's just a much better situation for them going to Atlanta next week, one and two, because 0 and three would have felt like the season was over at three weeks. It would have been over. And I mean, they uh, are playing in the NFC East, so. Yeah, but I think the NFC East is better. All right, let's do. Uh, uh, we'll do a smell test. We'll do our predictions for the game. Oh, I had one more question. I wanted oh, to ask you. that's right. Did you have a list? Go ahead. Go through them. Quickly. You might have talked about this throughout the week, but I, I just want to say this: like the Monday Night Football broadcast with the Mannings is so good. It's so good. It's so so good. But in saying that, watch out. Watch out. This will change football in the way you watch it. So the, the thing I liked that I thought that was hysterical is when Rex Grossman was playing for Washington and we were there together. I said, wouldn't it be awesome if you just have two dudes in a living room, maybe have a solo cup drinking beer and just hang out and talk about a game instead of have someone so stuffy with analysis of a game. <laughs> right. And this, I, I haven't talked to Rex in six years. I called him Monday night. <laughs> like, are you watching this? This is our, this is our plan. Like we literally wrote out this entire plan. Exactly <laughs> the two of you did. You've now, never told me mind, this before. Now keep, now keep in mind, Keep in mind that it, a massive part of this plan being orchestrated is Peyton Manning. Yes. Like Eli's just there. Of course. Peyton's amazing. It's like Barkley on the TNT show. You got to have you got to have your Barkley. But you and Gra- yeah. you, you and Rex would have been good. You would have been phenomenal at the, uh, on on this kind of a broadcast. You mean like a whiteboard and a bunch of junk around and be able to hang out and really talk about a game? Yeah. This is this is how you're gonna. But I'll bet you, I, I'll, I'll be interested in how long Fox or CBS waits to try to do another another side broadcast like this. Because Fox could do it on Fox Sports One. Yeah, they can. Yep, they can do that. NBC anyway. NBC's got you know multiple distribution, uh, lots of distribution capability as well. CBS does too. So, yeah, I would imagine you would see this. Now, let me just tell you that I love it. Um, Monday night I crashed early, so I didn't really see it. I loved the opener, though. Um, But here's the thing. If you're really interested in the game and what's going on in the game and the results of the game and the flow Mm -hmm. of the game, like like, Mm -hmm. you can't watch it that way. Like I'm not – Yeah, you can. This this week was better. It was? This week was okay. Better. All right. Yeah. So this, you... week, this week was a, a lot more involved in the game with a lot less antics. I think they said the antics were fun. It got attention. Let's did, talk about the game. Did you miss because plays there are, there like you did in, in week game. one? You missed plays in week one. Um, no, I don't think you missed it. I didn't miss any plays. Unless okay. I, did, I, I missed the first quarter, but like it's, it's hysterical because it's like you and me wrapped into one dude and Peyton. Peyton's just analysis of every situation is there. Like if you were watching the Monday night game last week, they, there was a timeout not taken with about 50 seconds yeah. by Dan Campbell. Right. And Peyton's like, you take your timeout here. Take it now, now, now you get down the field, you're going to be condensed in the red zone with time. This is, I don't know why you're not taking the timeout here. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, with, 
I, I enjoy with it. the immediate with the immediate next play, like throw the go ball. You got a, you got a one on one matchup. Throw the go ball right here. There it is. Perfect. Good. Good, Eli. Good. It's Funny. just it was good. It's so good. He's he's so rounded in doing all of it. I, Washington plays a Monday night game, and I you know they're not scheduled to do every single week. I think they're scheduled to do ten games this year. I don't know why. Maybe they'll they'll increase that, but. I, I don't think that I could watch Washington-Seattle Monday night, November 29th, if that game means something with Can the, I tell you how to the do Mannings. It? I know how to do it. I know how to do it. It's two TVs. Let me tell you how to do it. Sound down on the main broadcast. You. No, you just DVR both of them. And when the first one gets to about, the, about halftime, you go back and you watch the other one. And then you miss all the halftime. And okay. then you skip through the commercials. Okay, we can do that too. That seems like a lot to catch up on in a 12-minute halftime. All right, let's take a well, break. You're not a millennial. Did you have, an, you did you have another – well, it's a 12-minute halftime. If you're telling me that yeah. – to, to, to really get the essence of the are – you, are you telling me to, to more watch – than 12 minutes. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Are you telling me to watch the Mannings live and catch up on the main broadcast at halftime or vice versa? Uh, whatever you want to do. Well, no, there, there's up. a big like, difference. There's a big difference. To, essentially, you can watch. The, no, I don't. No, when I catch up on a main broadcast, I don't care what the announcers are saying. With the Mannings, I'd want to hear every single word, so I wouldn't be able to watch a whole half in so twelve watch, minutes. So, so go ahead and watch. Go ahead and watch the Mannings, and then okay, you that's watch different. The, but you can watch like when the Mannings go to commercial, you can still go and go start going through the other game. You can do them simultaneously. Okay, we. You know what? You can. You can. You just can't do it. You can. You. You have to be committed to it. It's. You got to be back and forth on your remote, which is hard for you because you're in the middle of like trying to adjust the volume to an odd number, <laughs> not an even number. <laughs> That's true. That. No, I, if I, I if I bet There's on the game, yeah, evens evens are big for me. The uh, superstition is is all based around even numbers. If people are are like, what are they talking about? Um, many years ago uh, with Cooley, uh, I did this thing, and we ended up taking calls on what people's superstitions were when they were watching the games. And for me, the volume levels have to be at a certain number, and it's usually even numbers. And I'll find and I'll settle in on a number that's a good luck, good luck number. And then, and then, like during commercials, I can flip the volume around and get it, you know, somewhere else. In the, but I got to be right back to twenty-two or twenty-four when the game comes back on. Oh, God. So <laughs> troubled. Okay. Um, any other questions on your list? No, I have more things, but I'll, I got to get going. So well, do you see? Do you, I do want to hear the smell test, but I have I have a thing. Well, you said 45 minutes, and we're waiting. I know. Well, I mean, I we, this, so we do I this all the time. Do me a favor, because like, I'm not going to, I don't want to have to go back through and re listen to the second half of it. Later today, just text me your smell test and call. Okay, it. give me a predi- g- me. give me your prediction though quickly on the game Sunday. Uh, Buffalo by eight. What about Tampa Rams? The game of the early season here. Tampa in L.A. against the Rams. This is a this is a fun game. I wish I was going to this game. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna start going to games in the future. In the next you, couple of years. You live in Wyoming. Um, I, I like the Rams. I like the. I'm going to go to L.A. I can fly to L.A. for $125 out of Billy's Montana. You won't do it, it once. An hour and a half to get there. You won't do it one time this year. Yeah, no, I'm going to. I'm going to start taking no, my won't. son and going again. Okay. Not this year. Yeah. In the future. Okay. I like the Rams. You like the Rams at home? 
I do. I like the Rams at home. You know, that line went from like uh, Rams minus one to now Rams plus one and a half. The Buccaneers are favored. Man, the Bucs are they, – they're good. They're really good. Too good. They're, they're this, really good. I know it's only week three and a lot will happen, but this absolutely could be a preview of the NFC title game. Absolutely could. No be. question. Um, Eagles, Cowboys, Monday night. Cowboys. Okay. Uh, thank you for doing this. Good luck tonight. Beat Cody. Is there any sort of big – Cody. Is there a headline like cheer? Um, is there some sort of – what's Cody's team name? The Bronx. Bronx. Broncos. Bronx. Okay. I think they're just the Bronx. All right. Beat the Bronx. Yeah, there we go. All right, good luck tonight. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Uh, When we come back, uh, smell test, and I'll give you my game prediction uh, as well, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kevin looks where the John Q. Public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell test. test. All right, the smell test presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar. All right, so if you deposit $500, you'll end up with $1,000 in your account, an extra $500 to bet with. Uh, Also, MyBookie's got a $50,000 survivor contest that you can enter absolutely free once you've signed up for MyBookie using my promo code KevinDC. $50,000 survivor contest. All you got to do is pick one winner a week, keep that streak alive, be the last man standing, and you get a shot at the grand prize. Uh, Big games, lots of games. Let me get to my smell test, but again, MyBookie.ag using my promo code KevinDC. Uh, And as I've mentioned many times, even if you have a place already, you should have two or three if you're doing this the right way. And take the free money from MyBookie and use them as a place to comparison shop. Their lines are great. Their pricing is fair. You won't find a better spot and a more fair spot than MyBookie. And if you're, again, hung up on, well, I've already got a spot. Well, take this one. They're giving you a dollar-for-dollar match, and you'll be able to shop lines and uh, point spreads and money lines and pricing. You don't want to pay minus 125 on a loss when you can pay minus 110 or minus 108. And MyBookie's got plenty of those opportunities. MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC. All right. Uh, Last week, 6-8 and on the smell test. Um, A rough week. Uh, gave out a lot of games. Uh, I understand that. Gave out a ton of them. I'm 12, 14, and 1 on the year. It's early. Uh, we got plenty of time. Uh, last week, I really felt like Saturday. I felt good about the Saturday picks. And Indiana was up 14 nothing on Cincinnati. There was a targeting call that was just total BS. Um, and they ended up losing that game. But whatever, that it happens. Let's start with tomorrow. Um, I don't like anything tonight in college. Let's start with tomorrow. How is Wisconsin a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Notre Dame at Soldier Field? Wisconsin's 1-1, one and one, Notre Dame's 3-0. and oh. Look, Notre Dame's results have not been overly impressive. They barely beat a Florida State team that apparently stinks. 
took overtime to beat them. They beat Toledo on a last-second touchdown, and then Toledo the following week lost to Colorado State. Wisconsin lost that opener to Penn State. Penn State has remained undefeated. Uh, Wisconsin is not the side that the public is on, but it, they are the side that sharp betters are on. That line opened at five. It's up to six and a half. I'll take Wisconsin laying the six and a half. Mississippi State plus three at home against LSU. I think Mississippi State's good. The public loves LSU. They think that Orgeron's going to get this thing turned around. Uh, I'll take uh, I'll take the uh, Mississippi State uh, Bulldogs in Starkville at home on Saturday afternoon. Clemson has scored three points against Georgia, and then last week fourteen in a fourteen to eight win over Georgia Tech. Uh, this week they're laying ten against NC State. That's a big number for Clemson after the two games and the two offensive eggs that they've laid. Public likes the underdog here. I'm going to give you another favorite here and give you Clemson minus 10, getting back on track uh, offensively with Ugalele, or however the hell you pronounce his name. Maryland's got a potential massive showdown, as we've talked about, Friday night, a week from tonight, at home against Iowa. If they win tomorrow against Kent State, it'll be their biggest home game since the Ralph, the early years of Ralph Regan. Uh, Kent State comes into this one. They're catching 14 and a half. Maryland is one of the biggest public plays of the weekend. I will take Kent State plus the 14 and a half. Maybe Maryland's looking ahead a little bit. I think it's a bit of a trap game here, a danger spot for them. Steve Suter was on with us earlier this week. You heard him say that Kent State was actually closer against Iowa last week than the score indicated. I'll take Kent State plus 14 and a half, but obviously I'm rooting for Maryland to win the game by 14. Give me a little 42-28 Maryland final, 35-21 Maryland final, and the plus 14 and a half will come through. So Florida State, I've already mentioned how bad they are. They lost to Jacksonville State. Um, they lost to Notre Dame in overtime, which was their most impressive result, and they got absolutely throttled last week by Wake Forest. Florida State football, I mean, what happened to Florida State football? They are 0-3, and they are playing Louisville uh, tomorrow afternoon. And the number makes absolutely no sense. Louisville is only laying a point and a half. This one stinks to high heaven. It really does. Uh, the public's backing uh, Ole Miss in a major way, and the line's just sort of hanging there uh, where it's been. I'll take Florida State. You know, you know this from the smell test over the years. Sometimes it requires you to take and back a side that looks like a bad side, like a bad team. Uh, but I like Florida State uh, plus the point uh, and a half. South Carolina's getting five against Kentucky. South Carolina stinks. That line should be seven plus. I'll take South Carolina plus five. Let's go to Sunday uh, and the NFL lineup. Um, Indianapolis is going to start Jacob Eason. Wentz is out against a, a Tennessee team that just came back and beat Seattle. Indy's getting five and a half at Tennessee. Doesn't that seem short? Well, it does because the public average Joe, you know, public better is playing the hell out of Tennessee, and the lines come down. It opened at six. I'll take the Colts plus five and a half. I had them last week plus three and a half, and they got the cover against the Rams. I don't know if Jacob Beeson can do it or not, but their defense is pretty good, um, and I think they can run the ball, especially with Marlon Mack back. I'll, I'll take Indy. 
plus five and a half. That line seems super short. Baltimore off that, you know, exhilarating Sunday night win over Kansas City. They're home against the Lions laying eight and a half. Baltimore's one of the biggest public plays of the weekend. I'll take the Lions plus the eight and a half. The Dolphins got absolutely hammered, even though I've told you the score was a little bit misleading, 35 nothing by Buffalo. That was a week after beating New England by a point. Tua got hurt. We don't know who's going to play. It'll probably be Brissett. They're on the road against a team, the darling here early in the season, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders are only laying three and a half. By the way, this is a rematch of the Ryan Fitzpatrick helmet twisted off his head game late last year when he threw the bomb, uh, and then they got 15 added, and they ended up with a walk-off field goal to beat uh, the Raiders and to knock the Raiders completely mathematically out of the playoffs and keep the Dolphins very much alive for a playoff berth. Um, I'll take Miami plus the three and a half. This is a big public play, uh, the Raiders laying the three and a half. Give me the Dolphins plus three and a half. I had them last week. Uh, it did not work out uh, very well against the Bills. The 49ers are a three-point favorite against Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers in the Sunday night game. And the 49ers are obviously banged up with injuries. I didn't think they were very impressive, to be honest with you, against Philadelphia. Um, but they're laying three, and the public is backing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers off that impressive Monday night win. I'll take the 49ers and lay the three. And then I like the Vikings again this week. I had them last week plus the short number against the Cardinals. They covered. They should have won. They're catching one and a half at home against Seattle. I think they get back. Uh, I think they get into the winning column. I think they win this game outright. Uh, the Vikings plus one and a half uh, are a play as well. Keep in mind, Monday night, I think I'm going to have the Eagles. I'm not giving them out right now, but I think the Eagles will be an added Monday night play um, in Dallas plus the uh, three and a half, four, uh, wherever it is right now. All right, recapping. Wisconsin minus six and a half. Mississippi State plus three. Clemson minus 10. Kent State plus 14 and a half. Florida State plus one and a half. South Carolina plus five. The Colts plus five and a half. The Lions plus eight and a half. The Dolphins plus three and a half. The 49 Niners minus three and the Vikings plus one and a half. That's your smell test uh, for the week. My prediction on tomorrow on Sunday's game. I like the Bills twenty four to twenty. I didn't put Washington in, into the smell test. I told you that I probably would have them in the smell test. The lines come down. It's just a bad number now. Uh, I would have definitely given them out at plus nine, plus nine and a half, maybe even plus eight and a half or eight. This line's down to seven. You're getting a bad number. Uh, this game may go off at six and a half or six at this rate. Um, I like Washington very much to to be in this game and to have a chance to win it. But I'm going to pick Buffalo 24-20, uh, and I think Washington will have a chance with the ball late, but they won't get it done. I think Heineke will have a good game, you know, a decent game. Uh, and I think on Monday we'll feel less concerned about the defense. Maybe. I don't know. 24-20, they're 1-2 going to Atlanta. That's my pick. I do like them to cover. I will play them myself. I don't want to give them out as a smell test with a bad number. Uh, that's a big move, man, uh, down to seven. But I do like Washington, and I'll probably play them plus the seven myself. Uh, one last thing. My God, Juan Soto. Two more home runs last night. Um, his numbers in the last three games, eight of ten, six, eight for ten, six RBIs, three home runs, four walks. He's awesome. Nats have won three in a row. Uh, also, did you see the NFL playoffs are going to have a Monday night game wild card weekend? 
There are going to be two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and one of the wild card games is going to get moved to Monday night. No word on the networks, uh, but you're going to get a Monday night game. And I would assume that the Monday night uh, winner would play the following Sunday. It would be kind of unfair competitively to have that team then play a Saturday game the following week. All right, uh, that's it for the show. Enjoy your football weekend back on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.